Listener Production. G'day, I'm Scott Phillips, the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool, and welcome to The Good Oil. Now, if you're not familiar with the phrase, giving someone the good oil is giving them the good stuff, the important stuff, and the real stuff, which is, as you know by now, the aim of this podcast. We bring you conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, and experts, the people who know what's going on, and the people who make things happen. And today's guest ticks both of those boxes in a fascinating and a really important emerging industry. Leanne Cartwright-Bradford is Senior Vice President and Head of Audible Operations for the Asia-Pacific. Now, she's also a mate, and full disclosure, Audible is owned by Amazon and I own shares in that company. So, let's get that out of the way first. But far more importantly, Leanne is a very impressive manager and marketer who I've had the pleasure of working with, and she's running a business that's really shaking things up. Leanne, welcome to The Good Oil. Lovely to see you, Scott, and lovely to, to speak with you today. So exciting to be talking about Audible on this podcast, which I listen to avidly. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you very much. I was not on the Audible platform. Maybe we have to talk about that later. Uh, let's uh, let, let's get this out of the way first. For, for those two or three people who haven't seen some of your spectacular marketing, which I will talk about in a minute, what exactly is Audible? Audible is a service that allows people to listen to books. So it, it really allows people who love books to listen to more books and to hear books and podcasts in the voice of the author or in the voice of an actor or actress who's very skilled and able to bring that story to life. I love it. I'm a massive, massive fan. And your point about hearing from either a great actor or actress or from the person themselves, that's a really cool part of it for me. Uh, I listen to Malcolm Turnbull's uh, autobiography on Audible. Uh, Also, is it Dave Grohl? I'm pretty sure it was, who did his own. uh, And there are just some, it's just, there's something about hearing the author and again or, or a great actor or actress which is also fantastic as you say but there is just something really cool if the author can pull it off and can do a really nice job their own inflection their own kind of it's you know you're literally hearing them tell you their story it's, it's actually a, i'm a big fan of autobiographies and, and non-fiction generally i should probably get into more fiction but it's just a really really cool way of doing it as you say when you're kind of going in and doing your thing so obviously you know audible is audiobooks and audiobooks is audible we'll get back to that in a minute or maybe it's not you can tell me why it's not but let's go into the Leanne Cartwright Bradford story. You and I first worked at 20th Century Fox many years ago when you were very, very young and I was still a little bit old, but not not as old as I am now. Uh, How how did you end up working in marketing and for a movie studio? Well, that's a great question. And I think... um I think that it really came about through through being at uni, studying, going travelling abroad and just thinking of all the things that I could do. And the thing that I loved most, the thing that it always came back to was movies, books, entertainment. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that. And, I mean, that I'm not unique in that. Who doesn't love those things? But I was super passionate in not just thinking about how those stories were told uh, but thinking about how we got excited about those stories and thinking about um, the way that they can change someone's day. So I've always been super passionate about working for businesses that I love, that I would be a customer of, because then I can get excited about talking to them to other people. And that's really what what is the core of it. So I worked in radio initially. I had some other jobs. I worked as an event manager for a while. I was dreadful, Scott, really dreadful. <laughs> I forgot. Things. I'm sure that's not true, but oh, uh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. I, I really truly was, and I think that's 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 a fact. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't where my heart was at. And um, right, I initially right. did 
um, some stuff with Fox and I was doing PR initially and it really got me mm. excited about the, the films we were talking about. Mm. And then I moved more into marketing and I really understood that that was where I wanted to be. So my whole my whole thing has been, you know, entertainment at the heart of it. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, there, there is something really special about the activation that goes behind. Uh, we were both worked in the home entertainment bit, so videos and DVDs, and now digital, of course. But uh, there's something. There was something really, really fun about that. Uh, I, I worked with you when we released um, the Johnny Cash uh, Man in Black movie, which was yeah. just such a fun thing to do, and it was just a really cool thing, as you say. Uh, in this case, the combination of both the music and the movie, and all that kind of stuff that went with it. But there is, there is something really just super cool about. As you say, kind of it's that shared experience, right, of entertainment in whatever form that is, of of knowing that you're doing something that, that is great, that people are going to enjoy, um, and not always not always highbrow great, just great, great, just entertaining or enjoyable or whatever way. Um, that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, then you move to Amazon, and then eventually to the Audible part of Amazon. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about the Amazon, the Audible story, sorry, in general in a minute, but you were kind of there pretty early in the Audible Australia journey. It must have been must have been pretty cool to kind of be part of that and lead that growth to what it is now. It was wonderful, actually, and it was really exciting because we went from people in Australia were a bit like, oh, who's Audible? And, <laughs> yeah, and, right. and to now, you know, people know us, they see mm, our, mm. our TV ads, they're listening to our content, um, and they're really uh, understanding what we can bring to their lives, whereas before they were, we were, mm, having, mm. were having to explain who we were. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and when we would say audiobooks, people would be like, oh, those things on CDs. And, and we'd be like, no, no. <laughs> it's, Mate, it's, it's much easier. You're too young to remember this, but there was a time when you would actually buy a series of seven or ten cassettes and put them in the car. And you have to change a, a and B side of the cassette in the car while you were driving. So I, uh, I, have, a, I have a longer recession with audiobooks than you do, but not in a professional capacity, just in a lugging, lugging cassettes around. Uh, it was also those... Um, the, the self-help ones and kind of the religious ones, they were the huge ones. They were just people with just – I remember someone in the back of their car and they had two of these. things. There must have been 20 or 30 individual cassettes because you can only get so much on a cassette, obviously. It's a very different world. But, yes, I, that, um, I can imagine the audible transition from that to – actually, no, it's digital now and we can help you sort it out. must be must be pretty cool. Um, all right. So let me, let me ask you uh, – this is one of my favorite things about some of the work you've done. Um, now, I'm biased because, as I said, we're mates and I'm an Amazon shareholder. But some of the ad campaigns you guys have put together have been just really, really cool. You've had Celeste Barber, you've had Jordan Raskopoulos. You've also had, and this is my favorite, can I say, Michael Bolton, Orange Headphones, <laughs> Harbour Bridge in the background singing, said I read you, but I lied. Now, I don't, I don't know who, how, why, and where that happens. T can you tell us, tell us, tell us some of the, well, actually, okay, tell us the Michael Bolton story first, and then I'll ask you broadly about the marketing. Well, it actually started with um, uh, our very first campaign was um, a takeoff of the, the rock set song, um, Listen to Your Heart, and it was Listen to Your Book. <laughs> And we worked with a phenomenal creative agency called Emotive and we worked with them right. and we were, you know, our whole problem at that time was we need to explain to people that you can listen mm. to the book and that you can, right, right, you know, right. um, really have the same experience, a better experience when it's read by the author or mm. someone really mm. Um, mm. phenomenally talented. <laughs> so they came back to us and we were working together and they came back to us and said, actually, we've got this idea to use a song. And as soon as they said it, we were like, yes. <laughs> this must happen. So we, we started right. with that, and then the next one was um, "Said I Read You, But I Lied," and it came out because we'd see a, see a lot of stuff on social media where people would be like, "Oh, I didn't read the book; I listened to the book," and people would say, "Oh, that's not real; that's cheating." And and we were sort of like, 
Sorry, what? Are you saying that, um, if, you know, we listen to the book? It's, it's like saying if you walk there, you, you really get to the destination, but if you catch the bus, you didn't really get there. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's the same thing, yeah, right? exactly. So so I think it came from that, and it, and it came from just a love of um, having it to be really tongue-in-cheek mm. and wanting it to be really fun mm. and enjoyable because I, I fundamentally <laughs> believe that when you're an ent- entertainment company, mm. You must entertain in your marketing. Yeah, fair, you are fair. you're obligated to entertain mm-hmm. in your marketing, mm-hmm. and so that's really where it comes from. How hard was it to get Michael Bolton to, to agree? <laughs> to that? I, I, I'm I'm super curious. I mean, he's he's, he's as good. He's taken taken uh, the Mickey out of himself. I'll I'll use the PG vert term. Uh, and and I, I know he's done the kind of um, is it Lonely Island. I'm pretty sure it's Lonely Island stuff. He's done he's done other bits and pieces, right? So he's obviously a good sport. But it, was there kind of some? No, you call him. No, you call him. No, I'll get in touch with his agent. How, how does that How does that happen? How do you get Michael Bolton to Sydney Harbour with some orange headphones on? That's a bit I really want to know. Look, we work with some great people who have some phenomenal relationships um, <laughs> in the entertainment industry, and we have phenomenal relationships due to our the content we create. So I think right. when oh, you sense, when yeah. you lead with a great idea, with a great idea. <laughs> that respects your brand and respects um, mm, what that mm. person is trying to deliver and what they, what they are and who they are. When you yeah. deliver a great idea like that, you get a good response. Listen, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour. Just just Google it. It's on. I know it's on the uh, Audible Australia uh, YouTube account. It's, it's all over the place. You, you'll find it. But uh, at one point, Michael Bolton is standing in a swimming pool in a blue a blue kind of chambray bluey shirt with, with the headphones on, singing his heart out. I just, I just, I love the fact he's having fun with it. And I love the fact you guys literally went. You know what? Bugger it. Let's get Michael Bolton to sing. Said I read you, but I lied. That's just it's just spectacularly good. Um, tell me, tell me about the, tell me about the. Uh, you talked about the messaging. And I guess you know one of your strongest suits is as a as a really top flight marketer. So tell me tell me the, the the kind of the conversation around the Celeste Barber, the Michael Bolton. I mean these are these are big stars, well known people, but also they're really um, I guess because of Bolton's kind of internalness, he's been around forever, but also part of Lonely Island staff and part of the um, uh, the Celeste Barber is obviously just super zeitgeisty. Can you, can you kind of talk talk us through? The thinking goes into an ad campaign like that where you kind of go hey we need to make it relevant we want to be entertaining you've already said that um i mean you, you've done some really clever cut through stuff and i think it's easy as a viewer i'll say i'm not a marketer right it's easy as a viewer to look at that stuff and go how cool is that advertising i saw some of the old stuff you know the not happy jan telstra ads or the the great wall of china you know keep the rabbits out it's it's i mean it's hysterically funny and it's and it's so well done but it must be I'm in awe of people who do that. So maybe just talk us through the, the the creation of that sort of stuff and how you go from we need to do something about you know awareness. We want to make it entertaining. Here's the end result. So I think we we have to think really clearly. We have to you know really start with thinking about our customer. So always it starts with the customer and you've got them at the centre of everything you do. And, you know, what do you, what do they need to know? What do you, uh, what do they love about the service? What are the things that you can bring to mind and what are the things that you can make the most of? So I think that's, that's the core of it. And then we, then we think about how can we do, how can we create something that feels like content more than an ad that feels fun and enjoyable and that entertains and then we think about how do we how do we work with people that really kind of represent some of the values we have. So if you think about Celeste Barber, you know the message at the time was books that fit with real life, and okay. and she's all <laughs> she's about, pretty real life. She's <laughs> yeah. all about real life. Her whole her whole yeah. thing is. This is yeah. the pres- this is what you see on social media, and this is real life. Right. So she was just yeah, such a yeah. wonderful fit, and and she's also got an nice. audio book on Audible. So she was really okay. great as a creator as well. 
So we've just launched a new campaign and we've got, um, you know, Miranda Tapsell, Josh Thomas, Adam Leal, mm. Mark Fennell and Flex Mummy. And there are a range of different cool. storytellers telling very different um, genre, in very different genres. Yeah, yeah, got, <laughs> that's right. You've got Flex yeah. Mummy who's like, you can do this and, 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 and pumping you up. You've got, you know, mm, Adam mm. Liao who's trying to bring that kind of flavour uh, of cooking to yeah, life. Yeah. And you've got Miranda Tapsell who's done some phenomenal work with us around mm, um, mm. Uh, with Nakaya Louie around Debbie Tomp Balls in Western Sydney and, and that kind of whole storytelling. So a really right. range of different people telling those stories and how you bring that together in a funny way is what's important. Mm, so mm. this ad campaign is all of those guys coming together um, in what is a fictional audible HQ. So right, okay. it's like it's just... Allegedly, allegedly fictional. Alleged, allegedly fictional. fictional. It's all these guys in the offices, so it, it's a lot more glamorous <laughs> than when I'm always got much more glamorous. Right, I see, I see. And, okay. um, and so you've got Josh Thomas on his first day and Miranda's <laughs> the kind of seasoned veteran. And so she's taking him through the office and, you know, showing him through the studios and, and, and you know, he's meeting everyone. So, he's you know, he's got the first day jitters and, and it's quite fun. So you, you, it's got to be fun, it's got to be entertaining, but you've got to put your, your content at the heart of it because that's why people come to Audible. They come to listen to great stories told by phenomenal people so that's the core of this campaign it's really just showing all those australian voices that we're making um available to customers in australia but actually also to the world we've seen some great results from some of the mark Fennell titles ha have done have done great in in the u.s in fact oh, wow. his story called it burns mm. was actually a question on jeopardy in the u.s <laughs> nice. that's how you know, when you've penetrated you culture, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you've made it, right? And and that's that's some of the, the glory of Audible. Nice, nice. That's very cool. Uh, now, I should ask, uh, are you or the Audible staff doing cameos in this upcoming edge? Should we look out for Leanne Cartwright Bradford and the rest of the team? <laughs> Absolutely not. We want, people, <laughs> we want people to see the great creators. We don't want them to see me. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, okay, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's let, take me. Uh, you know what I'm, I was fascinated by is the, the I, I'll, I'll say the COVID years. We're not through the pandemic, and I don't want to kind of get into that. But the worst of the pandemic, we know plenty of people were locked down. Most people not going to the office. Some were obviously going to work and had other things to do, particularly our, our first responders and frontline workers. But um, that's a fascinating one for me, and I'm curious because on one hand. We had a lot of extra time. And so I can imagine audiobooks were part of that story. On the other hand, personally, I love an audiobook when I'm driving. Like that's when I get, like I go through all my Audible stuff when I'm driving. And I will say I've got a couple extra credits more than I would normally have right now because I'm doing less of it even still uh, post-COVID. I've got to get back into that somehow. But um, what, what did, was there a change? I don't, know, I don't know how much you guys release or want to release, but I'm just curious as to like listening habits, you know, before, during, after, if it's changed, if there's any changes that have kind of hung around or, or what, what did you notice during that time? Yeah, no, it's a great question. When when the before the pandemic, we saw a huge increase in listening in the mornings when people were commuting. Um, we'd see people listening around lunchtime, going for a walk, or, or you know maybe going for a run or going to the gym, and then we'd see in the afternoons on the way home again. And then right before bed, because listening before bed is really calming and relaxing. If you've got Stephen Fry in your ear, you are <laughs> going to sleep and you are loving it, right? So yeah, yeah. so really important kind of listening time. So when the pandemic hit, we were, we were thinking, oh, wow, we need to let people know that actually Audible fits in to a whole range of things. It's not just, you know, the commute. So the, the TV campaign we ran at the time with Celeste Barber, you know, it had stuff. We had Poe um, from MasterChef in the kitchen cooking up a storm. Um, we had 
um, you know, in-house and ex exercising, et cetera, et cetera. And what we saw is, you know, we showed that in our advertising, but even independent of our advertising, customers found ways to listen. They were looking to carve out moments for themselves in the day because, um they really, they wanted to listen to the books and they, they kind of found space. So what we saw is listening was much more distributed throughout the day. And, and so, you know, it was great to see that people actually found their, their times. And we have since people have been going, going back to the office, we've actually seen, you know, that mix. So we do still see commute peaks and we do still see um, uh, in the afternoons, but we also see much more throughout the day because people's days look much less uniform. That's really cool. Um, I, I want you to take me back if you wouldn't mind. I know you weren't around them, but the Audible story itself is fascinating, the, the way the business came about. And speaking of moments in time, my understanding is uh, that of all things, the iPhone was kind of part of that big jump off story um, that it was kind of bundled and, and part of the part of the both the, the you know the, uh, the selling point of the iPhone but also this is what you can do with it and, and Audible gets part of that as well can you just kind of do me a bit of the, the quick potted history of how this you know book, recorded book on demand thing becomes something that people actually do and, and turns into the Audible of today yeah, look, I love this story because we have quite an um, inspirational founder, Don Katz. He's quite a phenomenal, quite a phenomenal man. And so, you know, Don, based in New York, New York, and he was a journalist for many, many years. He was with Rolling Stone and had, you know, has phenomenal stories to tell about that time. And he loves the written word. He loves literature. He, you know, studied under Ralph Ellison, you know, um, in at uni. So he's really passionate about writing and and books and he loved running he's a very passionate runner and so would run around central park in new york and he would have to, to what you mentioned earlier a backpack full of cassette tapes <laughs> and he'd be running yeah, walkman, right? yeah and, and he'd have to oh, stop man, there you go. and turn over <laughs> of course um, or, yeah. or take it out and put the new tape in and he's doing yeah. this thinking there's got to be a better way there's got <laughs> to be a better way and and at the time, the the recordings weren't, um, you know, we've got you know Kate Winslet reading Matilda at, with Audible. You just didn't have that kind of investment in the narration that we have. So it was they were pretty sort of standard narrations on these cassette tapes, and, and not not the best experience from a customer perspective. So so that's really where he got the idea. And he was he was forty two years old, and he decided to become a, essentially a tech entrepreneur, and um, and you know, found Audible, and I think that's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Now, Audible initially wasn't the Audible that people know today. It actually at one point was the very first audio handheld device. So there's one in the Smithsonian you can go and see. It looks very of oh, the cool, time. Man. It doesn't look like an iPhone by any means or <laughs> any, any device of today. It's very of the time. Right. It's grey, um, and it's just for listening to <laughs> audio books. And so... Okay. Very quickly after that, with uh, launches from other other businesses, you know, the, the iPod and, and then the iPhone launch, it became clear that the best way to do this was actually to be um, focus on the audio content and supplying the audio content rather than a, a, an additional device. And so that's absolutely where Audible began. And I just think I, I love I love hearing those stories from John, and I love you know thinking about what it must be like to go from seeing like the, going from there must be a better better way to to creating such a business it's pretty pretty phenomenal and pretty inspirational it's a pretty cool story too mate because it's one of those ones that actually spans i think before during and after 
what I'll call the internet revolution. It's a lazy term and I'm sure you've got a better one for me. But that idea of kind of like, hey, here's something we should do. And it was obviously a digital recording of some description of that original grey device you talk about. But this wasn't a case of, hey, this is great new technology. Let's, let's, let's piggyback the internet and the iPhone with an app. You know, if you, if you, these days it's kind of pretty easy, right? It's like, okay, well, I've got an idea for an app or I've got an idea for, for a thing and the best way to do it is to make an app and then turn it into something so I can, you know, take advantage of the, the massive scale and breadth and speed and everything else that, that you know, um, smartphones and other things deliver us. To start with, hey, I'm going to create a device and then pivot. You know, pivot's overused again in the entrepreneurial landscape. But this time it was kind of like, hey, there's just a better way and a better way and a better way. And it goes from, as you say, right through that that kind of, that time before, during, after—it's a pretty impressive entrepreneurial story, I think, in 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 a total, um, in a total sense, because of those changes that have been made. What's, um, I guess, in terms of speaking of changes, podcasts—they uh, were a thing, and they kind of disappeared for a bit, or at least were less, maybe just less zeitgeisty, and they kind of turned up again as as a way to be done. And serial, of course, the serial podcast was kind of the one that put it back on the map, and now there's. God knows how many thousand real life, real crime, true crime podcasts and everything else. And we're doing a podcast right now. So I'm not going to bag them in the slightest. Of course, it's a great medium and I, I love it. But I'm curious to how the kind of podcast audio book thing, is it a frenemies thing? Is it a, we're all one big happy family in different ways of doing it? Are you just direct competitors? What, what, is, the, what is the audio book podcast kind of dynamic look like? We, we have podcasts on Audible and we make podcasts on Audible and we have third-party podcasts on, available on Audible that, that are available okay. elsewhere. Um, and, and really, we're led by the customer. The customer isn't. Right. The customer doesn't think in dichotomies of book versus audiobook. Mm. The customer doesn't think podcast versus audiobook. The customer thinks, I want all the good things. And so <laughs> that's what we think. We want the podcasts in yeah. Audible. We want the, the audiobooks in, in Audible. And we want you to also mm. listen to books as well, uh, read books as well. Mm. And, and mm. I think mm. being led by, that, by the customer and what the customer wants stops mm. you from, stops you from, making mistakes that could be mm. maybe a little bit vague or you know and not yeah. and not in not, not in service of it's so important who, who you are actually there for yeah. and so yeah so yeah. i think that's the core piece and i think they all work together and you see you see a whole range of of podcasts that exist that that drive reading so you know they have mm. great recommendations built in they talk to the authors they talk to experts who recommend books and then we see Mm. listening to audiobooks off the back of that so i think it's it, it all works together and it's all um really important for customers to be able to have that choice mm. i will say your uh, your point about having great narrators is is a, is a uh, both a both a pleasure and a pain point in my house because once upon a time i used to read my young bloke books and it says Dad, can we say the audio book instead i'm like well <laughs> i'm glad you're enjoying it i'm glad you want to on the other hand there's part of me that thinks bloody <laughs> anyway You mentioned the thing about the customer, and as you're talking in that conversation, it's very hackneyed, but it's also hackneyed for a reason. Cliches are all true because they're, you know, they're cliches because they're true. You talk about being customer centric, and that obviously makes me think of Audible's parent company, Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos famously, uh, among his famous lines, was that he wanted Amazon to be the most customer centric company in the world. And I'm curious, again, I know this was before, pretty sure it was before your time, uh, you know, um, Amazon's owned Audible now for, for many years, but. I'm curious as to the the interplay between the two organisations, culturally, organisationally, business-wise. And again, not trying to get behind anything you can't share with us. But you know, how, how much is how much is Audible its own creation? How much is it part of the Amazon family? How much is the culture is is transferable, or is it transferable? Sorry, or was it just a case of Amazon saying, "Hey, these guys are doing what we're already doing. Let's do more of this together." What what was that kind of experience like then, as far as you know, and, and what's it like today? I think you know um, when you when you hear. Um 
one there's a famous quote that um was made that jeff made about about don which was um there are people who are missionaries and who are just passionate passionately believe in in the vision and in the mission around that business and he recognized that in don and that's the the truest thing i'd ever say about him and the way that he leads audible um what i will say is that the businesses have a lot of overlap in terms of our values so Amazon has different leadership principles to Audible. Audible has their own people principles, but there is such overlap in terms of focusing on the customer, um, you know, innovating for for the customer. And, and we have a, a people principle at, at Audible called imagine and invent before they ask, which means think ahead and really look at what your customer wants and needs and, 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 and try for that. Um, moving fast is a principle that I'd say we both align to. Um, and so I think there's so much overlap in in the philosophies of both businesses and how we think about customers that that's really, that that's really the core of it. And I think that's what, what means that we're successful together. Nice. I'm a bit of a business nerd, as you, you well know, both personally and professionally, but uh, but also a lot of our listeners are, are interested in investing in business and that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm I'm curious, I suppose, you, you have a really big remit, right? You, you look after, you, you're in charge of the entire Asia-Pacific region. So that means you see different things happening in different countries, whether it's consumers or content or everything. Um, but also, too, just some of even within Australia and, and the way that book, audiobooks are consumed or things are changing. I wonder if there's anything you can share with us in terms of just some of those things about the audience or about the content that, that our listeners probably like, you know what, that, that's fascinating or that's interesting or I didn't know that or or maybe I said some of the change, differences you see across the country or, or across the, the Asia-Pacific. Yeah. Look, I think I think there is different listening patterns in different countries and I, so, I think you see, you know, for instance, um, self-development and business focus in our Japan audience um, and, and more towards business, but then we're also starting to make content there that is really uh, creator-centric. And I'll give you an example. We've just worked with Haruki Murakami, Murakami, one of the the biggest, most well-known Japanese authors. You know, Norwegian Wood, phenomenal author, and um, and so those titles are performing really well and really resonating with the customer base. So you can start in a certain a certain place, but customers are, are not one thing. They're whole people. And so there's so much more that you can bring to them through, that, through the service. Um, in Australia, we see crime and thrillers working really well. We see, um, we, saw, we saw through the pandemic, actually, in all places, a change in listening around um, well-being and health and meditation and um, resilience and you know, people really looking within to think about w- what was um, right for them and what they needed. So we saw that that change. We also have seen in the last few years a change in listening and a change in listening around um, some more group listening. And so w- what I mean by that is we see more and more kids listening in the car and parents listening in the car and actually I, I see that myself. Um, you know, my boys love listening to things like um, we're listening to Going Solo at the moment. We've just finished Boy by Roald Dahl, right? And it's it's a real it's a real moment in the car because you're thinking you're both listening to it through their ears for the first time and remembering your first experience with that 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 content and it's nostalgic and, and beautiful. And so, you know, these this is this is a real change because we're seeing not only car moments but we saw it in in home with alexa devices you know smart speakers people are listening more in home with their kids 
and it's better for them because they, they don't want so many devices. They, they're done with the screens. And so it's a way to join together and have that entertainment moment, but without a screen. So I think those are the kind of behaviours we're seeing that are pretty much across the board, actually. Mm, mm, that's really, really cool. I, I will say, if, uh, you mentioned that, it just it took me back. We, we, as a family, tend to do some driving holidays. Most winters, we kind of head bush somewhere or other. Uh, and we went through the entire Harry Potter series. We've done that one. Uh, you mentioned Stephen Fry, who was just spectacular. I don't know if there's a better narrator <laughs> than Stephen Fry. Uh, but we also listened to uh, Rick Ryder, just for, for listeners, for the sake of it, and maybe for your boys too. Uh, but the, um, the Percy Jackson series, uh, Rick Ryder's series, is just fantastic. And it's really, really cool. It's rooted in enough reality. So it uses the Greek and Roman myths and legends. And that's so you kind of know those things, which are kind of cool. Uh, but also, then, as you say, the group listing, right? We all listen to it together and kind of keep up with what's going Going on, and it's a really cool thing to do as a family. They're the ones who are actually the, the next series of those we're listening to at the moment. Uh, literally, I said in bed uh, rather rather than uh, me reading. It's uh, it's the the writer, which is he's doing a great job, which I love. As I said, a little bit uh, sorry about that, but yeah, no, it, it is an amazing it is an amazing story the way that kind of happens. I, I haven't uh, full full disclosure. Dave Grohl probably not one for the kids. Uh, Dave Grohl does, doesn't hold back. So just if you if you're listening at home and you're trying to choose which one you want to listen to as a group and a family and which ones maybe just for the headphones, uh, Dave Grohl spectacular funny and a really interesting story but uh, yeah keep that one keep that one for you use the uh, the rick Wrighton series for the kids would be my recommendation if you're if you're looking for one um so maybe that's the that's the where we are i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to put your futurist hat on for a second Leanne, and and maybe i don't know i i'm, I'm sure uh, Audible itself couldn't have imagined uh where things are in 2022 what are some of the changes you think we'll see in audiobooks, in listening, and that kind of stuff. Over the next five or 10 years, do you have a, a sense of where things are going or maybe where Audible's heading? Well, I think I think we are in the early days of audio. So I think about when we were, um, if you remember when the internet first started and, you know, you'd go to a website and it was basically just like a newspaper on the screen and, and yeah, it was a picture and it look, really looked like a printed version on the screen. I think we're still in the early days of audio in that sense. If you think about that, where we are with social media and made for for the platform con- um, services, I think from an audio perspective, we're in those early days. Is this there's so much more we can do, and we're starting to see some of the genres break down. And I'll give you an example of of one where um, Claire Bowditch did a, a memoir, and it's a phenomenal memoir. She talks about you know she's so vulnerable and and just likable and clever and talented and so she talks about you know some challenges she's had you know um, some mental health challenges and and her relationships and all all the rest of it and she tells a story and you know she brings her family into the story she recorded it in in her home studio um yeah with her husband who's a very you know talented um musician in his own right and producer and um they recorded it together and you get this um, intimacy. Her mum pops in to say something at the start. She breaks into song at certain points. She reads from her diaries. And it's like, it's like listening to a friend, talking to a friend. You want her, I want her to be my friend, right? She's amazing. And so that intimacy from that you can bring alive with audio, there's so much more we can do there. And we're, we're only starting to break down those genres and think about things in a different way. So, so I think there's so much more we can do, and I think that it's only the beginning, um, and I'm super interested to see see where we take it. That is a really interesting story. I just, it just reminded me of listening to Jimmy Barnes's book, Killing Time, the kind of, he wrote The Working Class Boy, The Working Class Man, and then he wrote Killing Time. And hearing him read that book, he actually also breaks down at one point as he's trying to get through part of what he's talking about. And it's just 
I really, I, it's a, I mean, I felt a little bit guilty actually. At one, at one level, I was kind of always felt like I was, you know, leaning over his shoulder and maybe, you know, watching him in a vulnerable moment. But he kept that in and he, and he shared it with us. And I think there is something really, as you say, um, intimate or personal or whatever it is about that experience where it's just like that's where he was at at the time and that's what he chose to record and, and share um and you know i, I said it, you don't want to you don't feel like you're you know taking in too much of his personal space but it was just a really cool way of so having that experience of the actual you know the author doing that in a in a really authentic way which is which is quite cool are we going to see a metaverse or do, do we see uh how, how does that kind of continue to, to expand you reckon i love the idea of like the family jumping in what do you have a sense of maybe what what else we'll see come on, put your put your futurism glasses on and tell me what happens next <laughs> I think the metaverse, you know, that, that it's it's super exciting, and I think there's so much that can happen there. I, I, you know, I love the idea of you're breaking down, you're breaking down time and space, and you're you're you know creating a whole other world and a whole other idea for yourself. Um, I I think that I love the idea of you know that that virtual space and another place for you to live and breathe. But I think there's always got, it's got to always be counterbalanced with that kind of real face-to-face and I think that's something we've we've learned through the pandemic right that real face-to-face matters it's why lots of us are coming back to the office it's why um you know we've really just loved being being out of our houses it's connection right um I I wonder as as you're talking about this Lena and I I will say for those who are listening on the podcast uh and Lena are watching each other over zoom while we're while we're recording this on on audio uh, and I'm just watching you with, the, with your earphones in. And it just occurs to me that, you know, there's always that conversation about radio being this really intimate thing because it kind of happens between your ears, right? In a way that television's over there, it's a box over there. And reading is spectacular. I love books. But equally, it's, you know, there's something really personal, really intimate about literally the voice between your ears and having that experience. And I wonder, to that sense, well, you, they're not here in any meaningful way with you particularly when it's the narrator is the, the author, but even even without that, there's just something our brains seem to, I'm no, I'm no expert, but our brains seem to just process that stuff really differently. We have that different experience where we feel like we're, it's just, it's just us and, and the author in some ways. It makes the imagination sharper or, I, I don't know, what do you think about that? I think that's exactly right. I think it functions in two ways. I think one is that you, it feels like a one-to-one conversation, first and foremost. It's that your, your brain, you feel like it's one-to-one. But the other thing is that I think being in audio and not having a camera at your face, you are more vulnerable and you are more authentic and you're more open. And I'll give you a really great example of that. Um, Esther Perel is a very well-known couples therapist. And we did a series with her. It's like years to get on the wait list for her. She's phenomenal. I mean, I'd be terrified. I think, you know, when you think (laughs) about this kind of stuff, right, going to a couple's therapist with someone like her, she's so savvy. I think she would tell me that I'm right and that that I'm the one that's right. But actually what she would do is she'd call me on all my nonsense, right? Yeah, right, right. So she just... Can, can work with people and in a few minutes really ask the right questions that really gets to the heart of the issues. So she's phenomenal. So we did a series where we got everyone who wanted to, to do a session with her to come in and do a session with her. But the, the agreement was we're going to record this and, and, you know, there's a microphone kind of under the table. And, and what it does is because it's not their face, because it's it's largely anonymous, right, they can be um, completely vulnerable and open and true and you can great, get this great content where you're listening to this session you're a fly on the wall and something you would never be invited into and 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 people are being really truthful because they haven't got that camera in their face 
making them act a certain way or be a certain way. They can just be who they truly are. So I think there's, there's it's, it works both on the listener and on the person creating the content because it just allows that that openness and you can hear it, yeah. the truth. That is very, very cool. Leanne, I, I want to finish with our favourite four questions, if, if you'll indulge me. Now, our listeners know my first my first favourite question is normally, what are you reading or watching at the moment? I'm going to I'm gonna change that. I'm going to ask you what you're listening to at the moment. I'm going to assume that uh, as the head of Audible APAC, you're going to have uh, something on your streaming, your, your Audible list. Uh, what's what's between your ears? What are you listening to and enjoying? Well, I mean, I've just we're just finishing going solo in the car, right? And it's and it's and it's this kind of it's Roald Dahl, so it's this kind of wonder and horror, right? Like it's stars <laughs> yeah, of Gobstoppers yep. with dead mice in them, and like <laughs> the most horrible characters brushed up against the most kind, right? So that's right. that's wonderful, and that's time with the boys. Um, that's cool. What I'm listening to at the moment is um, a, a, a podcast that we created called um, about M- Milky Moore, and he's this guy, Australian guy, who there was a mistake in his bank account, and he got several million dollars in his bank account. And so it's like this is like this, you know, dream fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. would you do if you suddenly got all this money? Yeah. And he did all the things that you probably shouldn't do. And he, <laughs> he went wild and went spending. Oh, no. he, you know, he had a great time. And it's just it's just a like a, it's just a great yarn. And so That's it's cool. really, really fun and, and, and it's a true story. We just like stories too, right? That's the other thing. I, I, I'll just intersect with this, the f- favorite four questions because that is kind of the thing. I mean, humans, we just love a story. I mean, it's, and it's not just audio and not just books. It's it's TV and movies and everything else as well and your background at Fox. But there is just something about that. We just, we just I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're you know, evolutionary, evolutionarily designed to like them, whether we're just conditioned to like them, but there is just something about the story where it just grabs us and it's the imagination. We imagine ourselves in that position and what would we do, as you say. It's, it's all that stuff, I guess, that's, that's all rolled in as well, right? Yeah, well, it allows us to connect with other people. It's a way of connecting and it helps us make sense of the world. It helps us make sense of, you know, it's a way of learning but also a way of connecting. And I think to get those two together in a way that's so enjoyable um, like yeah. that's the goal. Cool. Mate, um, we talked a little bit about trends, but I am curious, what trends are you watching? It can be about the job or the business or just anything at all in the world. Um, is there anything you kind of got your eye on? You're like, that's cool, that's interesting, that's scary, that's fascinating, I wonder where that's going. What's kind of what's kind of grabbing your attention? Um, from, from a content perspective, I think there's really a growing demand for content that's more diverse people wanting to hear more different voices. And, and that's really exciting for us because we abs- that's absolutely core to who we are. You know, elevating uh, different voices to tell different stories it is phenomenal. And we've seen that time and time again. Um, you know, Josh Thomas, Miranda Tapsell, a whole range of different creators telling stories that people haven't heard before in ways they haven't heard before. And I think that's a really important piece for us, um, you know, that, that diversity in stories. And it's it's not just about difference, but it's about actually more accurate representation. I think um, we're not, ju- and we're not just watching it, we want to sort of drive it. And, you know, and another example would be um, Greatest Menace by Patrick Abood. So this is a story about um, a, a jail in Cooma that was um, a gay only jail. In, in the 50s, 50s, 60s, and none of us knew about it, right? It's it's part of Australia's past that just wasn't heard about. And so Patrick Abood, phenomenal journalist, went and sort of unpicked that and spoke to people who had been around at the time and, and really told that story. And it was really amazing to hear a little bit of our past uncovered and, and brought to the surface and to help us understand today. And so, you know, I think that kind of request for a desire for, 
for our audience to hear more accurate representation is so important. Mm-hmm. I guess too, sorry, this is supposed to be five or four questions, but you keep asking, you keep making great points, so I have to keep asking questions. I guess that's, and I, again, I apologize for the Amazon, uh, if you guys love or, or hate being competed with Amazon or being discussed as part of the Amazon thing, but, you know, Amazon's great opportunity, the, the really great observation or the, or the, the, the um, yeah, the, the advantage that it has is the long tail idea. And it just strikes me that Audible 2 has that opportunity because you don't have to command, you know, bookshelf space. You know, we all know if you walk past it, these days, fewer and fewer bookstores, but if you walk past them, you know, you've got the four or five books on the, at the front with, a, with a 25 copies of each. And then down the back, you've got one copy of each of, you know, I don't know how many hundred books, but then the rest aren't there at all. And so you kind of, you're, you're limited to the books that, the, the, the publisher wants to produce, the books that the bookstore wants to buy and in large enough quantities that it makes them available. Um, you guys do have effectively unlimited inventory. It needs to be a commercial decision to actually do those projects, of course, but it, the, the size of the potential audience and the ability to get to them at a relatively cost-effective way, because you record it once and then it, you, know, you can sell it as many times as you want after that, I guess that also helps in that, in that journey, right? It gives you some freedom to do some things that if you had to, to agree to a minimum print run and get publishers to agree and then get bookstores to agree, these things wouldn't get done, I suppose. The stories wouldn't get told. Absolutely. I think um, we, we we do have that opportunity and I think we also have the opportunity to to look at what custom, customers are listening to in, in a way that a, a traditional bookstore doesn't in the same way. They have the sales, but we can actually see what they listen to. And so we're able to, to market to them you know, on our service in two ways. And we actually have to do both, by the way. We have to use the algorithm to, to, to recommend because we need to take the information about what they're listening to. But then we also have to do really manual marketing to, to get new things in front of people and to, to show that. So absolutely, I think we've got a wonderful opportunity and, and using both this, the smarts of our editors and um, the the ability to kind of recommend based on listening using those two that's where that's where the sweet spot is and that's where we can really um, get customers to their next great listen in a really interesting way super cool hey um, you're you're a marketer you're a manager you're an entrepreneur you're doing a whole lot of cool stuff what advice would you give someone who is interested in uh, in a career in any of those different areas or in your industry if they're just starting out they're leaving uni or just going to uni or just finishing high school is it like Leanne what should I do? What's your, what's your advice? What would you say? My advice would be, um, you know, when I get asked questions like this, I always think I don't want to ever sound like I had a master plan or there was a ladder <laughs> yeah. that I climbed or that yeah. it was ever that yeah. intentional because because it, it hasn't been. I've done things that I liked mm-hmm. until I didn't I, until I didn't like them anymore or until I knew that I mm-hmm. needed to learn something different is more the point usually. And I needed to learn more yeah. and then I moved on. So I think that's that's been my general approach. I would say... The one thing that I love about Audible, one of our people principles is called study and draw inspiration from art and culture. And the idea is, yeah, it's my favourite. And it's the idea that you don't just, to to do a really good, customers do all the things. Customers don't just listen to Audible all day, right? Um, You know, they have other things to do in their lives. So, and there's so much going on in culture and art and technology around us. You need to be part of that and, you know, absorbed in that and to draw on that to to deliver something really great for customers. So we don't just stare at screens or we don't just listen to, you know, our our audible. I think that's super important. Like be a whole person, be, you know, bring all the things together. You know, I often... I read a lot of parenting books because I'm I'm not 100% sure that I'm great at that all the time, if, if I'm honest. And, and I see a lot of 
Um, you know, I want to be better at that. I really do. And I see a lot of analogies between parenting and leadership. They're both different types of leadership, right? That's how I study and draw inspiration from art and culture in that sort of space. I think lots of people make connections in different ways. And I think that's the super important thing, being a whole person, learning all the things that make you excited. And when, when you're able to connect them together, that's really that's really where the magic That happens. is super cool. I love that advice. Hey, yeah, my, my favourite question, our last question. I'm an optimist by nature. I think you are too. Uh, what is it that you're optimistic about? I am, I'm optimistic about... A lot of things, but it's it's a bit away from from business. But but let me share it with you. I am I'm super optimistic about the way that young people express themselves. I'm super optimistic about the the way that they hold people accountable, people, institutions, um, everything accountable. The way that they talk uh, about the, their vulnerability, the the authenticity they bring. Um, it's just. They're scratching at this veneer of a perfect surface that's never existed that we all pretended used to. And, and I love that. I think of pe um, people like um, Abby Chatfield. She's just utterly herself. I, I think she's phenomenal. And she is so open and true to herself. And, and I love that about her. Um, I think about Laura Noish, who is a creator that we worked with at Audible, who's done this story about... Um, some rela relationship she, she had that was terrible and the way that she's able was able to kind of hold that person you know hold it to account what went wrong and and be vulnerable about herself it's just captivating um you know the guys that do the girls that do the shameless uh, podcast um michelle and zara you know all these the way that they're speaking about people and culture and themselves and body positivity and sex positivity and all these things it just gives me such hope because I just think, oh, there's there's a language here that I didn't necessarily have access to when I was in my 20s and it just makes me feel the sense of forward progression and improvement and it just makes me think oh, we're all going to be all right if these people are going to be in charge, right? I love it. The kids are all right. The kids are all right. They're better than us. They probably are too. <laughs> just, just, just don't tell them yet. We've got to, we've got to, I've got to work out at least another couple of decades of work first. Then they can take over. That's fine. You know, I just want to pretend they've got something to learn from me just for a little bit longer. Otherwise, I'll be a boardroom crew and I'll be gone. So let, let's, the kids are okay. They'll, they'll just be okay, maybe, possibly. Just hold your horse. No, you're right. You are absolutely right, mate. And we are, we are the, the future is in good hands. So I, I agree with you. I like that. Um, I think that's a wonderful way to finish our chat about Audible and all things optimistic and positive. Leanne Cartwright Bradford, thank you for spending some time on The Good Oil. Thank you so much, Scott. It was lovely. This podcast is hosted by me, Scott Phillips, produced by Ed Gooden, and imaged by Link Kelly.